Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Private Diary of Frederick de Bonesby, Volume XXIV, found by Christopher Hastings. High Winter 28, 496 After Affair. I rose from my bed in a most sour mood this morning, once again. A menagerie of malevolent spirits has found my sleeping mind to be a fitting playground for the antics. For the accomplished med such as myself, the realm of the unconscious is no mere resting place. It is a fervent land of limitless exploration, creativity, and reflection. The mundane man may rest his head after exhausting his body, plucking corn cobs or hammering dirt or whatever it is they do while down there. And this man sleeps and happily allows his mind to gimble about the waves and shores of subconscious delirium. What bliss! to rest and go insane for a few hours. Not so for me. I spend this time first and foremost reconnecting with the weave, the network of magical thread that pierces through all of reality. I exhaust my body's connection to magic after a long day's practice, and I simply must enjoy long, uninterrupted reconnection with the occult web in my sleep time. Beyond that, the subconscious realm behaves like many other planes beyond the material, and it's mysterious, fascinating, and rich with secrets to discover. But you need no costly or rare portal to access it, no spelljammer craft to sail there. You travel to this plane just by closing your eyes when you get tired. What a privilege. A privilege that was yet again stolen from me last night. Allow me to recount. The sun had set, and the staff had all been relieved for their evening. I had donned my sleeping gown and cap, and applied all of the various creams and tonics to my skin that I credit to my youthful appearance. The fire was set, and my bed was made. This was an absolutely classic setup for a proper bedtime and a fine night's sleep. And so I buried my body in my bed fabrics and shut my eyes. Sleep came quickly, as it always does. An untroubled conscience is a finer sedative than any brandy. Upon realizing I was in dream, I set my mind to work on the various things I already described enjoying when I am asleep. I was high atop a jungle pyramid, about to coerce its long-forgotten god the secrets to a better-prepared charm spell. I don't like that they always get mad at you when it's over. That should be fixed. When I was set upon by three spirits out to make an evening's mischief in my sleeping skull. The first thing they did was dismiss the ancient god, ensuring I shall never find him again in my night's travels. I cursed these spirits as they collude and cackled, their forms ever shifting, the only constant their mocking grins. They blurred and condensed until one form remained, taking the form of something akin to a porcine goat. 
Why are you so interested in a charm spell anyways, Freddy baby? Yous used to be a charming enough fellow on yous own. No need to cheat with magic. Before having the moment to launch the debate that his fat sprite so clearly was in need of, the scene changed around us in an aquatic swirl of colour and form. We were no longer at the peak of a long-gone pyramid. We were in some sort of animal holding pen. I was immediately struck by the sinus-invading tang of griffin droppings. I pinched my nose to block the scent, but it did nothing. Pinching your nose won't block out the memory of stinky shit, old-timer. Might as well relax and enjoy the show. The goat spirit laughed. What awful play would I be forced to endure in a griffin stable, I wondered. The answer came in the sound of children yelling and griffin squawking. A pair of winged coats came to a landing in the sunny field just outside the stable, then trotted through the barn doors. Both had a child of no older than ten as riders, and they both screamed at each other in idle conversation, as though they were hundreds of yards away from each other and not mere feet. Quiet, I demanded, but they did not regard me at all. You can't tell, the goat guide started, but I cut him off as certain details of the children piqued my attention. Quiet! I approached the laughing, yelling duo and saw that the girl wore her hair in a long braid wrapped around her head like a crown. Her leather riding gear was studded intricately with cut black silver buckles and rings. She was marked as a child of a house of land in title. She seemed so familiar to me though I have not associated with any howling, messy spawnling under the age of 35 in a score of decades. The reason for that odd familiarity came as soon as the next set of words blasted out of the screaming thing's mouth. Frederick, you are so funny, she yelled. The boy responded. I do not aim to be a jester, miss. I merely speak truth. And the truth is that when I meet your father, his breath was so rancid, his speech colored the sky round his face. They both laughed and I turned back to the spirit who chuckled with them. So this is me, I take it? I asked. Heh heh, the wicked thing responded. Pretty funny little guy. Pretty charming even. Makes ya wonder what happened. You believe that I was better off insulting a lord's hygiene to make little girls laugh than I am now, a lord in my own right. And a sorcerer can make anyone do anything he desires, I said. Oh, come on, Freddy. You know it don't be like that. Look, me and a couple others have noticed what you've been up to and we're getting concerned. The spirit's grin left his face. I thought it'd be nice to remind you of use humanity. A little later... You'll be visited by... The goat's lecturing was growing tiresome, and the laws of the dream had shifted in my favor. That's enough, foul spirit, I declared as I raised my hands, crackling with eldritch electricity. I've remembered that I am a powerful wizard, and do not need to tolerate you. Good night. And I blasted that dumb idiot to pieces with hot bolts of lightning. Naturally, I woke up the next moment. I cursed the gods, and I summoned breakfast preparing for the day of study ahead. High Winter 29 
496 after affair. Moderate progress today in regards to the translation of... At any other time in my life, or with any other book, I would be perfectly content, proud even, in my daily efforts to crack the coded language of this rare codex. But given the circumstances, I find myself quite impatient to complete my translation. I have at the very least managed to fully decipher the portion of the book that lists the ingredients and spell components required for the ritual that details within its pages. Every one of these ingredients is ruinously expensive, nearly impossible to attain, or has some sort of perverted moral cost. Thankfully, I have few qualms when it comes to such matters, and I have played the game of God's endeavors many a time. I will not be put off by distasteful methods of component collection. Not when the stakes, the prize, is so great. As for the costly and rare, I have the means, and I have expended nearly all of them to acquire what is needed. I would sell off even the Debonesby Manor if I have to. If, no, when the ritual is successfully performed, I will have all the time I need to rebuild my fortune. I will be immortal. In the meantime, I wait by the window, hoping to see the carriages from across Cordelia returning to me, each laden with the arcane cargo I so desperately desire. Still, they are useless if I do not finish translating in time. Lunch today was filet of beef with fried potato matchsticks. I enjoyed it. High Winter 30, 496 After Affair Today began with such promise, but as I sit to journal the full events, I find myself quite annoyed by its end. I enjoyed my morning cup of coffee while gazing out the window in contemplation, but with great joy was interrupted. One of my spell components had arrived. I could see the carriage of Violence Hydrangea approach the mountain drive to the manor from nearly a mile away. I allowed myself a hoot and a clap, and rushed to prepare for Ms. Hydrangea's imminent arrival. I burst into the castle's kitchen, startling the cook's staff. I realize now that they rarely see me in servants' faces, but it is my house, not theirs, and honestly, I'm a bit peeved thinking that they have, or had, as we will get to, some sort of ownership of any part of de Bonesby estate. But I digress. I demanded the staff halt the chores and immediately set about preparing a morning feast to welcome my guest. Head Cook Mustard nodded and clapped her hands, ordering her brigade into action. Satisfied with the task now well delegated, I moved to the great hall to wait. My haste in scrambling about the castle caused my innards and lungs some distress, <laughs> but I only coughed a few tablespoons of blood into a hanky while settling down. It was not long after I took my seat that Violence Hydrangea was announced by the butler. Welcome, Miss Hydrangea, I said. What news do you bring me from the West? Please, my father was Miss Hydrangea, she responded. Call me Violence. Violence marched forward, and I urged her to take a seat with me at the table. She continued. As for news, what's there to tell? 
There's this big fucked up guy in Port Dunales who's stepping on houses and shit. Wow, I remarked. You certainly do mean big then, don't you? I imagine some manner of storm giant ravaging the city. I suppose the damage must be tremendous. Was Port Dunales able to drive away the giant somehow? Giant? she asked. He wasn't no giant. He was like a big fucked up guy. Like normal body, really long, weird arms and legs. Fucked up. And he was stepping on houses at night. It was just annoying. So I shot him. Yeah, they hired me to kill him and I did. It wasn't hard, Violent said. Speaking of which, I said, rubbing my hands together with anticipation. Have you happened to... Oh yeah, I got them. That's why I'm here, Violet said. Your staff is getting the crate off my wagon. The next moment, the doors opened again, and two of my servants walked through, carrying a large, heavy crate. I leapt up and gestured for them to open it for me by the head of the table. Open it! I yelled, doing more than simply gesturing, I suppose. They took a pry bar to it and pulled off the nailed-down side panel allowing the box's contents to spill out onto the floor. Elf feet, I proclaimed with glee. Specifically, West Marsh elf feet, Violence replied. I dove into the pile of sliced-off feet, excited to inspect the wares. The feet were, and still are, perfect. These exceed my expectations, I said, practically falling over myself to praise the contractor. I stood to collect myself, keeping my joy more private. Please, won't you stay for some breakfast? I asked, returning to my seat. Yeah, always happy to score a free meal off a rich guy, she said. Which reminds me... Payment, of course, I said. The servant class is a useful tool, but you must respect that tool's thirst for fuel. Money. I briefly excused myself to the treasury, which I admit has seen fuller days. But there was coin enough for the feet, and I bagged it up and brought it back. As I returned to the hall, I saw the kitchen staff had begun to serve breakfast. I set the sack of gold in front of Violence with a clank and took my seat. Ooh, steak and eggs, Violence proclaimed as she cut into the meal. I was confused. What? That cannot be right. Cook! Hey, cook! I snapped my fingers. The head cook's attention was dominated by the spilled contents of the elf feet crate. She appeared disturbed. I cared not. Cook, explain this immediately. I pounded the table, finally breaking the reverie. What is amiss, my lord? The cook asked. You served me steak for dinner. I am to dine on the same meats in meals in a row? I reasonably explained. It's good, actually, Violence said between bites. A little overdone for my taste, but I cut her off. Overdone? Let me see. Meat is always perfectly prepared in this house, and I... I stopped, looking upon the overcrusted steak with the indeed too brown interior. I looked up at my cook in horror. You've already cooked this once before. This... this is leftovers! It's not bad if you try it this way, sir, and I've had to get more creative with the reduced budget. I can't let anything go to waste, the cook said. Violets chuckled to my great embarrassment. Reduced budget, eh? Maybe you shouldn't be blowing your load on elf feet. She stuffed more of the sad beef in her face. Not that I mind. I blow my load wherever I please, I said, as I rose from my seat. 
This cook was ruining what was to be a moment of triumph. Get out of my sight. Clean up your mess, and then leave the grounds at once. You serve my honored guest day old meat, and then insult me with implications of a solvency problem? Your services are no longer needed. I sat back down and coughed, full of rage. The cook looked at me, expressionless. Violence stopped chomping on my food to watch what the fired servant would do next. Fine, Mustard said, turning away from me. Come on, everybody, we're going home. The other members of the dining staff turned to join her, which I admit astonished me. What? Ah, 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 no, no, I'm not letting go of the entire staff, just you. I had to laugh, but none of them stopped. They all continued out of the room. We all know you can't afford to pay any of us soon. Better to leave before you start doing whatever it is you plan to do with. She pointed at the feet. Those. I was agog. I could have argued that they were volunteering to abandon the employ of a soon-to-be lich lord, but I do not debate peasants, and so I allowed them to exit. I can cook my own food, and besides... My remaining time in this mundane, nutrient-fueled form is nearly over. Slamuary first, 496 after affair. Spirits invaded my dreams once again, although it may have been merely the product of the old beef rattling about my intestinal tract and its agitation of my slumbering mind. Either way, I was enjoying a phantasmal visit to the cloud mines of the Queef Dimension when I was interrupted by the chattering swirl of annoying figures that had already pestered me. They laughed and congealed into a single form, this time not some fat goat figure, but now something more akin to a grinning shrub with leaves, wood, and fruits for a head and body, with human eyes and mouth gleaming white behind the foliage. Hey there, Bone Daddy, it said. Glad we found you again. What do you say we try this one more time? Try what? I replied as the reality around it has melted and drained away. Give me some vague warning on the perils of witchcraft and show me a scene from my childhood to convince me that things were better when they were simple? You bore me. The bush and I tumbled frictionlessly through space until the vacuum gave way to the clouds of a new planet we approached. Nah, not this time, gorgeous. I just wanted to show you that you might have some more pressing concerns than the opinions of the spirit realm, the shrub said as we spiralled through the night sky. I could see we were close to hitting the ground. A town grew into focus, tiny buildings with little lights in the windows. I know my present concerns, thank you. They are a growing collection of faulty organs in my aging body back in bed, I replied. That's true, but take a look at what I'm talking about. The town raced toward us as we plummeted through the sky. I did not fear it, as I know if you die in a dream, you do not die in real life. Several reputable studies have confirmed this. The bush struck a balcony and bounced jovially into the window of the inn across the street. I prepared for a similar landing of vaudevillian quality, but instead struck the dirt street with a wallop and a plume of dust. I opened my eyes after taking a moment to recover, lifting my head from the dirt. 
The bush laughed from its perch on the inn's open window. Ha ha, sorry, couldn't resist. You're dreaming anyway, not like it hurt. Come on, get in here, it said. Then it turned its leafy head slash body inward to the warm room on the other side. I followed through the front door. I looked across the swath of ruddy faces and was surprised to see the cook I had sacked earlier that day, standing by the hearth, holding court, regaling a rapt mob with what appeared to be quite an engaging story. And that isn't the worst thing about working for Mr. de Bonesby, she said. Ah, of course, I said, though none but the bush spirit could hear me. The cook continued. The worst thing is this last big experiment he's cooking up. I think he's finally messing with forces even beyond his reckoning. He had a crate load of chopped up feet delivered today. The crowd gasped. No, a horrified man exclaimed. Oh, grow up, I responded. He's doing something evil in there. And now that I'm free, I can finally say it. The cook pulled a gulp of her ale. Frederick de Bonesby will bring down cosmic demonic horror to these lands. I scoffed. The usual ignorance. The bush raised a twiggy eyebrow my way. The locals getting restless? This is what you called me down here to see? I asked. The uneducated paws will always bitch about the advances of the better knowing. Let them, I said, raising my arms in spell preparation. Not just that this time, the bush began to respond. But I had already completed a fireball summons, and I used it to blow him up and exit this fantasy. As my consciousness fled the inn to return to my body, I heard the mutterings of the crowd turn to suggestion of storming my castle. I awoke, and with no servants in the house to bother me, I set to that day's study. Slamuary 2nd, 496, After Affair I have discovered a previously hidden trick in my translations of... The book has been altering my decoded works after I have written them. This is why it has been so difficult to make progress. Everything gets scrambled as soon as I look away. Even in this very diary, its clever magic slip into the pages after I have turned them, erasing the name of the book, removing all record of itself. Will not allow any record of its existence, and it actively fights understanding. Well, I will fight harder. My life is at stake. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner were all bread with wine. I have not yet determined how to operate the furnace instead. Samurai 3rd, 496 after the fair. Translation must be paused until I can determine a way for it to stick. Perhaps I must attempt one single marathon attempt, written on the very wall of the tall-ceilinged Great Hall, a place with no pages to turn, no chance for the words to change under a vigilant eye. 
All meals consisted solely of wine. I feel ill, and I will go to bed at 3 o'clock p.m. Samuary 3rd, 4.96, after a fair. It is 4 in the morning, and while I got out of bed to use the waste pipes, I caught a burglar trying to rob the house. The little thing was quite eager to kill me upon discovery, so I teleported it into the dungeon. I'm going back to bed. Slamuary 4th, 4.96, after a fair. Woke up to a whole pack of Kenku making a terrible racket in the dungeon, trying to free the one I caught, I imagine. Now they succeeded and got him out of his cell, and they all scrambled and fled. Stupid things probably have no idea the depths of labyrinthian caverns under the castle, and they are surely doomed. Breakfast was some sort of grubworm wrapped in a fragrant leaf I found half-eaten in the thief's cell. Lunch was a bit of raw goat. Dinner was skipped. Tomorrow, my last component will arrive. Samuary 5th, 4.96 after a fair. Received today's delivery of a small packet containing the dust of a dying sun. I should be more excited, but I lack energy, and I woke up with a rather sticky face that put me off the rest of the day. Seems my ears began bleeding in the middle of the night, and it soaked my pillow. I don't even know where to find fresh linens in this house. Still, my preparations continue. Samuary 6th, 4.96, after affair. My sleep was disturbed by the repeating clangs and calls in the castle pipes, surely echoing the sounds of the crow people lost in my dungeons. I'm so tired. Ate more of the raw goat out of the larder, this time with some ale. <laughs> Samuary 10th, 4.96, after a fair. I believe I am ready to make final preparations for the lich transformation ritual. I admit, I am slightly apprehensive of the effects the spell will have on my physical form. But sacrifices must be made. And besides, this spell will increase my powers so many times over, it will be simple to enchant myself with a glamour to restore my looks. I might even treat myself to the fine features and trim frame of the Frederick of his twenties. Get rid of some of these fats. <laughs> Breakfast was quail eggs with bacon and coffee with some sort of spice dust I cannot identify. Lunch was a cured meat sandwich. Dinner was a stir-fry plate of thin, quick-cooked meats and vegetables over steamed rice. I should mention... In my desperation to be fed something edible again, I retrieved the bird thief from the dungeon maze and brought him up to the kitchen and indentured him into my service. 
I assumed if he could make a meal out of the things he found crawling in the corners of his cell, he can make me something out of the larder. I told him it was because I admired his bravery and wanted someone like him, quote, on my team. This seemed to please him, and he repeated it back to me a dozen times as he set to work. It is annoying. I should work something out about that. The rest of the birds have either escaped or are dead. Either way, their left-behind brethren has restored the strength to me to finish my task ahead. Samuel 12th, 496 After Affair. So many important last-minute preparations, I have little time to write. One, I will need to finalize translations and perform its ritual all in one session. It is the only way. I see that now. The book cannot be trusted. Two, the spirits tried to bother me in my sleep again. They took the form of a shadowy, hooded, uh, spooky thing. I was in no mood. I shot it to death with missiles and woke up before it could say anything. Three. I enchanted the bird so it could exercise independent speech instead of merely repeating things it's heard. I regret this. Four. Dinner was another stir-fry. I like the bird's stir-fry. Slamuary 13th. 496 after affair. After a trip into town for supplies, the bird has come back to report that the townsfolk plan to storm the castle tonight to stop me from performing the ritual. I must not let them. I begin at once. The bird is good with a crossbow and is manning the ramparts. When next I ride, I will be a lich. Samuel 13th, 496 after the fair. Something went wrong. I've lost everything. My magic. My flesh. My skin. My fats. I am lost. They're coming.
That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>